And we are hearing a story that is very familiar to many of us. And so as we hear this story again, I would ask you to try to tune your ears anew. And so we are in Luke 15, and we are going to read the first three verses and then skip down to verse 11. Listen for the word of God. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion, and he ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. And he replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. And then the older brother became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And then the father said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts 
Be acceptable unto you, O God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. This story is so familiar to many of us. It's um, easy when we hear familiar stories to think that, yeah, we know that and we know what it means and, and everything. But, you know, when it comes to thinking and taking into our very being the depth of God's grace, a lot of times I don't think we really get it. And so it's good to hear it again and to consider it again and again and again. Because this Lent, of course, we are talking about God's wondrous love. So when I was in high school, um, I was spending a couple weeks with my grandmother in East Texas, as I did every summer and had been since I was in elementary school. And I had a cousin named Donna. And she and I were just a few weeks apart in age. And then a couple of other cousins that were about the same age. And we used to always run around together. And so uh, one evening, um, and the, the older of the cousins, she had her driver's license. Okay? And so um, she was driving, and us four gals were in the car. And um, so we drove to the ballpark um, to see what was going on, going on and to see who was playing and everything. And, so there were some, um, some guys there that, that my cousin Donna went to school with. And they were in this um, four-wheel drive, I don't know, Suburban or something, something like that, 70-something 70, model. Anyway, and um, so they said, hey, y'all want to go mud hogging? And we said, sure, we'll go mud hogging. So we all pile up in that vehicle, and we drive out about 10 miles out of town, and... Um, they start going back on these little dirt roads where, you know, their dads had deer leases and all that kind of stuff. Well, it had rained the day before. So you know what happens. We got stuck. And I mean, that vehicle was stuck up to its axles. And we're out there. This is before the days of cell phones. Nobody has a cell phone. We are way out there, okay? So we find a clubhouse, and we go inside, and they've got some cards, and we're sitting there playing, oh, I don't remember what we were playing, if we were playing spades or hearts or something like that, while two of the guys went to go try to find a house where they could use a phone. And what we found out later was the first two houses they found, they didn't have phones. So they had to keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. Okay, so while all this is going on, where while they're trying to find a phone to get somebody to come drive all the way out there and pull us out, my cousin Don is like, my daddy's going to be so mad at me. And it, her aunts just kept increasing and kept increasing and kept increasing. So we finally got pulled out, and the driver of the four-wheel vehicle was looking at it saying, man, my dad's going to kill me. <laughs> And so we drove up to Donna's house, and she, she was ready to just get it from her dad, to be hollered at and to be yelled at. And he heard the car pull up, and it was like 1.30 in the morning, okay? He heard the car pull up, and he threw the door open. Donna's standing there on the sidewalk, just shaking in her sandals, 
And he comes tearing down the sidewalk, and he says, where have you been? And he grabs her up in this bear hug, and she just starts sobbing. And he said, I was so afraid something had happened to y'all. It's a modern-day experience of the story we just heard in Luke's Gospel, is it not? The familiarity of this story, however, does not explain away why we so often struggle with returning. We all have times in our lives when we get lost. We all have times in our lives when we feel like we have severely disappointed someone we love. And how many times in our lives do we stay in that lostness? Or do we stay with that fear because we have disappointed someone we love to the extent perhaps that we might go years without getting back in touch with that person? And so when we do this, We stay lost. We stay fearful. And this is true in our relationship with God. How many times, Pastor Caroline and Pastor Clay, in the years of your ministries, have you had a conversation with someone who says, I haven't been to church in years because... Fill in the blank. Or I have not taken communion because, and it will usually revolve around some disappointment, or they feel that they've done something wrong, and that they are not deserving, that they are not worthy, that somehow the Lord's table is not for them because of X, Y, and Z. But the thing is, God God in Christ is still standing on the road, squinting down that road, looking for everyone who is lost, for everyone who is fearful, and seeking to gather them up in the divine embrace. We have all disappointed God, every one of us. But for God, that's not a deal breaker. I think a lot of times we, um, especially as church folk, we're kind of like the older brother. We've been doing it right. We've been seeing the things. We come to church regularly. And all of those out there who are lost... Really, how dare they come back and be able to claim grace as fully as we do? Haven't we been doing it right and they haven't been? I think sometimes we don't want to put ourselves in the same club with all of those who were lost. But the thing is, we've all been there. And I know at least for my own self, 
I will probably be back there again at some point in my life. But God waits. God looks. God in Christ begs for us to return and just rest. Rest in the love, in the compassion, and in the mercy that only God in Christ can offer. My friends, God's love is indeed wondrous.